Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. Experts claim there is nothing tougher than a diamond. But at Diamonds Direct, we beg to differ. Have you ever met a mother? Strong, radiant, timeless. This Mother's Day, give her the gift that meets her match. With diamond jewelry starting at $200, plus Diamonds Direct's exceptional quality and unbeatable everyday price, you're sure to give her a gift that wows this generation and the next to come. Experience the thrill of jewelry shopping done right at Diamonds Direct. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast, and hear from the minds transforming healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more with the help of AI. Tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We're joined as always with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you. You are here. That makes this the stuff they don't want you to know in 2024. You guys, can you believe it? Barely. Weird. I'm not, not stoked. Future <laughs> date, man. Once we hit 2020s, now everything just sounds like it's supposed to be mega futuristic. And it's just not. <laughs> Minus weird robot attacks. Uh, did you guys hear about that? Apparently it happened a year ago, but a Tesla robot on a factory floor yes. in uh, Texas attacked and mauled an employee. Uh, and the, the story just came out, but that's sort Wait, of semi-futuristic. True story. <laughs> but if that's story. real, though, I, it's real. I swear, no, I swear no, to it's you. real. It happened a year ago. It just now yeah. started getting reported on. I thought that it was maybe a thing that was already known and that I just was, you know, missing the boat. But I looked it up and it does seem that it was a thing that happened, that mm-hmm. it was a clawed assembly line sort of robot arm that uh, basically pinned and mauled uh, an employee who then fell down a chute intended for scrap. Metal. Very Willy Wonka. Also very margin of error kind of thing, right? <laughs> but it didn't do it because it wanted to, no, right? No, no, that's it's the thing. That's why I, I, was consi- <laughs> yeah, I was considering doing that as, as, as today's strange news for me, but I feel like it's such a buzzy fake out kind of thing where it's like robots attacking. No, that is not. They, there was an emergency stop thing. It must have. It was unclear from the article exactly what caused it to target this individual, but mm. I don't think it was out of malice for the mm. human race. To what do we attribute, right? Uh, like, uh, like what is 
the motivation of a plant, of an algorithm, and so on. Or the Supreme Court, we're going to get to that. We're going to talk about some big picture stuff. We're going to touch on an epidemic amid the U.S. deer population. We're going to talk about menthol cigarettes. uh, And we're going to talk about the U.S. Supreme Court because America we need to have a conversation. <laughs> America, you're drunk. Go home. Right. Um, or maybe not. Ben, you you brought, I think, for a little kind of yeah, yeah, palate cleanser. Yeah, news. to start yeah. with for yeah. the new year. Yeah, let's talk about good news. So uh, we wanted to start the year off with some cool ideas. We got one in here. I don't know if it's good news, but did you guys hear that humans can make jet fuel from poop now? You know what? That makes sense with all the burn pit information we've been getting lately. Like, (laughs) burning the poop seemed to have just as many bad effects as burning the jet fuel. And of course, since I'm a child, my mind immediately conjures a cartoon image of someone with fire shooting out of their butt. Um, (laughs) That's just a me thing. (laughs) No, that's I think that's an everybody thing. That'd be pretty cool if you could if you could fart well enough (laughs) to be a jet. It reminds me of that the very first South Park episode where Cartman's like, my ass! It was just fire shooting out. Yep. Oh, there boy. are some extinct animals that mm-hmm. have been rediscovered, right? Like Mark Twain said, the uh, the reports of their deaths have been greatly exaggerated. So shout out to the shimmering golden mole. Which what? I, the shimmering gold? Is that like the opposite of the naked amazing. mole rat? It's it sounds like, like shimmering a golden, right? Dude, I want to catch them all. Uh, I was really having my fingers crossed for the dodo, though. No dodo? Uh, we got to call Lucky. We have okay. a covenant. Yeah. Dodo's coming back for real, though. I no. remember seeing, yeah, they're, they're trying mm-hmm. to bring Dodo back. Oh, but that's a science-y thing. This is, yeah. yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. an experiment. Got it. Guys, I just had a vision for our future. Oh, my God. Talk about positivity. We've been looking for a way to get a universal basic income. Mm -hmm. If everybody is just pooping on the regular and we all do it, what if we're all just making jet fuel and the government pays us for our poop? Stop. It'll be a matrix situation. We'll all just have tubes hooked up to our butts and live in pods. Eisenhower was right. Military industrial poop complex. I don't like it. Seriously? I don't like it. Matt, stop it with these pithy suggestions that are just too, too close to home. It's ancient technology. Night soil is a real thing. It's the first fertilizer. So why can't it be uh, the new biofuel? Oh, we'll Seriously? call it biofuel. We oh are the God. batteries, guys. We are the batteries fueling the military industrial complex from our butts. You just change up the sewer system like minorly and add in an intake. <laughs> oh, my God. We can do this, everybody. Write your congressperson, folks. Matt said it here first. Yeah, yeah. Send a physical letter so they'll yes. pay attention. Uh, so uh, another piece of good news, uh, minimum wage is going to increase in 22 states across the U.S. on January 1st. Shout out to NPR. Uh, Shout out to everybody listening now who is one of the 9.9 million workers who will see an increase. I'm assuming this is just as a result of a a benevolent state sort of situation, right, Ben? Someone was just like, they deserve it. Give it to them. They worked for it. I don't know, Noel. A lot of our fellow conspiracy realists will point out with validity that uh, inflation has accelerated. So yeah. is this is this it's going one down? of those tools, right? 
of the, <laughs> like, like like the Fed adjusting, you know, rates and such. Yeah, I'm really obviously a math scientist. Well, this is this is really good news, you guys. I'm just looking at that NPR mm-hmm. article you shared, Ben, and it it looks like some states are going to see almost seven dollars additionally added to the minimum wage number. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. That's significant. Yeah, yeah, that's life changing. Hopefully. Uh, for the better. Uh, We also are uh, one other piece of good news. Uh, Scientists have successfully destroyed cancer cells using vibrating molecules, which I don't pretend to understand, but shout out to journalist David Neald. If that's real, we've received a lot of messages and we've seen stories over the years of using vibrations to cure people of things, right? Mm-hmm. Like yeah, vibes. different good well, vibes. No, yeah. But different different types of literal vibration just oh, no, being yeah. shot through parts of the human. This if this is true, I want to learn more about that. So we need to do a deeper dive into that. And this isn't the first story of the year even that's been about advances in eradicating cancer. Mm-hmm. Like we're we are in a future, you know, I made the joke about 2024 seeming so futuristic, but there are things that are happening. Um despite my my bad jokes, a cure for cancer is the kind of thing that always had this ring of like unattainability. And now it does feel like we're inching towards something resembling that, right? Yeah, it turns out if you shake up these aminocyanin molecules with something that's not quite infrared light. They will vibrate in sync the same way people would like dance at a, at a wedding across the world. They'll do like a weird line dance. And uh, this will break out the membranes of cancer cells. (gasps) This is pretty cool news. We are indeed talking about good vibrations. Shout out to that uh, band, the Beach Boys. I really think they're going places. Yeah, heard of them. (laughs) Dude, amino cyanine. Never heard of this. This is incredible. Mm -hmm. It is incredible, right? I agree with you guys. Like the strange thing about this is that so often on strange news, we bring you stories that don't quite get into the headlines or don't quite get the analysis they deserve. And a lot of times we don't make space to talk about the good stuff. And there, there is good stuff happening, right? There are uplifting things occurring in the world. And we hope that we can launch our own project 2025 <laughs> in a good way. Right. And speaking of segues, not the amazing uh, invention here in the U.S., but speaking of conversational segues, there is a group of people that will be very important to you next year. Odds are you have not spoken with these folks directly. Odds are you don't know all their names. But if you live in the United States, they are the rock stars of law and order. Yeah. And they have a really cool acronym. That's fun to say. And sounds a lot like scrotum. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're the seemingly invincible characters that, that live on planet earth, right? They, they get into their position. There's nothing you could do too bad. They're there. That's it. <laughs> I don't know. In a weird way, I do see them as like, I don't know. The way you're describing them, Ben, makes me see them as comic book characters. I think that's accurate, Matt. Uh, I mean, like, we're we're talking about a democracy, 
a democracy that is also a republic in some ways. And a lot of people get mad about the semantics of that. But in a very real process, the laws of the United States are written by Congress, right? They're co-signed or derided by the president, but it's a Lord of the Rings situation. There are nine people right now who are basically ring wraiths. You do not elect them as a U.S. citizen. They do not really get fired. They have the job for the entirety of their lives. They are called, to your point, Noel, SCOTUS, Supreme Court of the United States. And, (laughs) oh boy, we need to talk about them. Uh, We need to talk about them. This is not quite strange news for 2023. This is strange news for 2024 and 2025. And and I guess the update-ish maybe that puts it sort of in the news for end of 2023 is this code of ethics thing, which seems like it should have already been in place, but uh, is, is seemingly relatively toothless and kind of just more symbolic than anything, right? Yeah, yeah. So we've talked about it in the past. Uh, there's a lot of ongoing controversy around things like insider trading laws for members of Congress. Congress on both sides of the political aisle made a lot of money during the pandemic by short-selling things like uh, toilet paper, sanitizer, vaccination, deployment. GameStop. GameStop, yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Shout out to our stonk friends, right? Uh, The issue, however, rarely gets to the level of the Supreme Court, the idea of corruption, because this court is seen in American history as largely infallible. It is seen as the consciousness of the American public, despite the fact that these folks are, again, unelected, often above reproach, and uh, don't hold themselves to the same standards that you would be held to. Congratulations. Hey, guess what? If you bought a mortgage, uh, you have to deal with stuff. But if you're in, if you're in the Supremes, you can, uh, you can get some workarounds because yeah, they don't even have synchronized dance moves. They don't like the like the real Supremes. I mean, I don't know. There's there's no video allowed in the court. It's true. So maybe they got a cool. They have matching outfits <laughs> like the they Supremes, do. though. They do. So let's go to uh, the point you raised, Noel. The U.S. Supreme Court has adopted its first ever ethics code. To be clear, Congress does have an ethics code and has for some time. Uh, Ah! Ah! (laughs) I mean, on paper, sure. Look what it took for what's-his-face to get ejected. First first ever member, I believe, was he Congress or was he representative? Uh, I'm talking about, of course, Santos. um, Yeah, Santos. I mean, that guy was just doing crimes left, right, and center, and even that was a remarkable feat that he was ejected. I, I, I scoff because clearly they're... Uh, uh, code of ethics is pretty toothless, too. I'm sorry to interrupt. I'm just blown away by that. Well, uh, George Santos was ejected. I think he was he's House of Representatives. So he's not a senator. Uh, He's the sixth member of the House of Reps in all of American history who was ejected. It was it was a thing where this divided country 
came together and said, ah, this guy. <laughs> but uh, this doesn't often happen with members of the Supreme Court. And when the Supreme Court decided that they would do some sort of ethics standard thing, they raised a lot of questions and they raised a lot of criticism. They issued the following statement, and this comes to us from a great NPR article uh, by Annie Gersh and Nina Totenberg. Here's the quote. The absence of a code has led in recent years to the misunderstanding that the justices of this court, unlike all other jurists in this country, regard themselves as unrestricted by any ethics rule. To dispel this misunderstanding, we are issuing this code, which largely represents a codification of principles that we have long regarded as governing our conduct. This happens in step with and folks, we hate to say it, this happens in step with growing controversy over uh, a member of the court who is from our state of Georgia, Clarence no. Thomas. No, uh, not know, him. I know. Not him. Critical hit. Clarence! Uh, <laughs> a 20 was wrote. Um, yeah, that, mm, gosh, man, just reading about this stuff. Well, I've got an idea. I'm going to throw it out at the mm. end. Uh, so let, yeah, let's keep going. I've got, I've got like a, a concept I think you guys are going to be into. You got a pitch? Yep. <laughs> nice. All right. So we know this occurs. Nothing happens in a vacuum, right? So the U.S. public has a very low opinion of the Supreme Court right now. As of 2023, going into 2024, more and more people are saying, hey, why don't these guys have consequences, right? Like, why don't these folks have uh, the same sort of experiences that we have to live under? For instance, you know, there's the uh, Roe versus Wade overturning. There's a lot of scuttlebutt occurring now. Scuttlebutt is a word I learned from uh, the late Scalia. You guys remember Scalia? Yeah, he's a SCOTUS butt. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Can we do a sound cue on that? That was <laughs> excellent. Uh, so the, uh, the issue here is that for a democracy to exist, all members of the public servitude industry or genre should be following the letters of the law that they write. And increasingly, the American public regardless of demographic, ideology, or age, uh, the American public is increasingly cynical regarding these institutions. We have maybe heard stories about Clarence Thomas in particular taking big, big, weird vacations with billionaire yes. donors. You guys remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, and, you know, getting... All sorts of elaborate meals and gifts and, and just, I mean, it's, it's nearly impossible to classify that stuff as anything but bribes. Yeah. Well, when the individual, the individual that is giving these gifts, right, or these trips or these vacations, whatever you want to call them, mm -hmm. when that individual is a huge money player in politics, yes. it's a big deal. Yeah. Because those justices have to come together and decide 
in the end what the law means, right? Yeah. In a closed door session in a vacuum, basically. You know what I mean? It's it's unilateral to your point, Ben, the power that these wraiths wield. So to even have the perception of that kind of uh, compromise is outrageous. But it's not as though Clarence Thomas was the only justice that was doing this kind of stuff, right? Other people have have been shown to have these meetings, trips in, you know, vacations, as you put it, Ben, I think that's probably the best word for it. But just hanging out with donors who run the political parties. They're supposed to be out of their reach. They're supposed to be beyond reproach. Mm-hmm. It's horse They're clearly none of those things. <laughs> it's tough. It's tough also because we know from previous I almost said exercises, keep it in. We know from previous examples that one of the first things you do when you overthrow a democracy is control the courts, right? That's why, that's why um, courts turn into rubber stamps under dictators of any stripe. That's why justices get harassed, exiled, or even murdered. And one of the big, big controversies a few years back was the installation of Supreme Court justices and the installation of appellate justices and federal level, federal level judges. And this is going to be important in the near future, sooner than perhaps any of us in the U.S. would like to imagine, because we're in a situation where the folks who are hired by a guy have to rule for or against that guy. Even the confirmation process of justices seems largely symbolic. You know, it's, it's basically if the president picks the person, they're going to get confirmed, no matter how controversial they are. I don't know that I've ever seen in my lifetime one that was rejected, short of maybe like, you know, a proven allegations of like sexual misconduct on the front end. Can you think of one? I, I can't. I don't know. I thought that just happened pretty was recently. It, was there one? There was yeah. that one guy. No, no, no that one guy he, got confirmed, didn't he? He got confirmed, but previously to him, there were several other, or no, after him, there were several okay. people that got put forward. Uh, Still, it's, uh, it's just... Uh, it's it muddied in my head. But. Yeah, well, it, it seems very symbolic, largely, but anyway, I just, the process is really creepy. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it. It's a strange one. It's a strange Can I ask one. you really quickly, though, because when, when you brought this up in our group text thread, I thought you were also maybe referring to the situation with uh, state Supreme Courts and, like, keeping a candidate off the ballot. I don't want to pivot too much, but uh, I'd love to talk more about that in the coming, you know, weeks mm. and, and months as mm. we see how that process is, is achieved, what allows it to succeed and what causes it to fail. And maybe state Supreme Courts is also an interesting thing to roll into a larger episode about the Supreme Court. Ah, yes. You're talking about Colorado, eh? That's right. Yeah, that's a fantastic point. And it's something that can maybe put some folks into a snooze fest, right? Who wants to talk about <laughs> who wants to talk about the weird state of courts in uh, the United States? Well, people who go to prison, first off, uh, <laughs> our friends at Lava right. for Good, uh, and people who want to pull shenanigans. Uh, again, we're being apolitical with this. We're pointing out a structural conspiracy. There is some stuff they don't want you to know 
when it comes to the idea of packing courts. Yeah, I think the biggest deal with this whole ethics thing and like, here's a solution, right? We will offer you an internal solution. We will sign a a piece of paper that says we won't do anything bad, but there's no mechanism. There's no lever that gets pulled or a wire that gets tripped if they do something that is, you know, contrary to that agreement that they signed. So really, it's toothless doesn't mean anything. I think, guys. Oh, here's the pitch. If you imagine all the surveillance that we as citizens are under, you know, some of it overt, some of it just that's happening through third parties and applications we sign up for and sign terms of agreements with. Um, If you imagine just how much data is collected on us individually, Mm -hmm. what if there was a special version of that kind of thing that was for publicly serving officials, right? Mm -hmm. Someone who gets elected or someone who gets appointed like to the Supreme Court where they are monitored just a little more fully like a rate my professor type situation. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not external. No, I, right. So the information is kept internally to whatever this is, this, you know, oversight committee, this thing that just shows every meeting, like every major person that interacts with them. There are yes, yes, things yes. like that where it's just calendar is what I mean by agenda. Like, you know, like who are they taking meetings with? That should be public. Is it not to some degree? It does public? exist. Okay. Uh, uh, the degree of surveillance also, I would posit, does exist. It's not available to the public, but uh, the justices and the alphabet are, I can only imagine, very aware. They might know, you know what? They might know Supreme Court bowel movement schedules. Oh, they, they probably do. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they know mine. So, like, why wouldn't they know theirs? Well, so, you like, got to get off that app, Matt. You got to stop logging in. (laughs) I don't even bring my phone around me when I poop anymore, and they still see me doing it. Hey, you got to make your jet fuel somehow. Somehow. There we go. Making jet fuel should become a new euphemism for pooping, by the way. I love it. Uh, Matt, to close the loop, what are you proposing here? I feel like if you are going to take the great responsibility of being one of those sitting justices, hmm. there should be some kind of scrutiny. I, some there's, there's high level scrutiny. Like when yeah. you choose to do that, you are going to make quite a bit of money. You're not going to be you know a billionaire, but you're going to make quite a bit of money in that position, and you're going to wield a ton of power. Mm-hmm. I think there's got to be some kind of mechanism set up there that makes sure you are actually doing what that position is supposed to do rather than serving yourself or your family or whatever other thing it is that you hold up higher than the public good. And if there's not, which there's not, you have to ask yourself, is this by design? Is this the nature of this system? You know, I I think it is to a large degree. I don't think I think people want to be able to have that opportunity to work their way to that level of power. That's the dream. Then you can, you know, get whatever you want for your family and your cronies and your connections for life. Um, That's the reason a lot of people get into politics, I think, you know, Um, and I don't think it should be that. I don't think it should be that at all. Shout out to uh, the Taft family. (laughs) Uh, One of the biggest U.S. presidents in many ways, on many levels, also served in the uh, Supreme Court. So. Do you guys think it's worth it to do an episode about the Supreme Court? Yeah. And maybe we throw in a little bit of stuff about some of the state stuff as well. Mm -hmm. I think it's great, Ben. And I think this is a great primer and uh, really valuable information to to start us off strong. Give our paranoia a a shot in the arm. There we go. So uh, shout out to our fellow conspiracy realist folks. We would love to hear your opinions on the Supreme Court of the United States, especially if you have spent time 
in countries other than the U.S. Let us know, conspiracy.iheartradio.com, 1-833-STD-WYTK. We're going to pause for a word from our sponsors, and then we are going to return with a story from the natural world. Not super pigs, but another, you know, another situation. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring with access to over 6 million active hourly workers. Snag a job is the all in one solution for hiring high quality employees who can cover all your needs on demand, tempt to hire part time or full time. You name the position warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store, clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah. Snag a job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. Wake up! Mm, grab a human, throw him down the waist chute. Whoa. Sorry, that, sorry. You, you <laughs> that's the it. robot. Love that's it. the ro- robot chop suey. <laughs> I've yeah, been yeah. singing love this song it. all love day, it. actually, Matt. That's kind of weird. Wait, are you serious? Shout I am serious. Armenia, I am way. serious. It was referenced in some podcast I was listening to over the holiday break. So that's <laughs> sorry about that. <laughs> I don't think you trust. He has a beautiful <laughs> voice. That guy. Really cool. Great operatic pipes on that guy. Surge. Uh, dude, seriously, system of a down. If you didn't catch a reference. Okay, so we are back. And guys, let's start out by talking about mad cow disease. We lived through that whole thing when we were slightly younger. What was that? What causes mad cow disease? Why is it dangerous? Prions, right? Yes. 
I always say prions. I think I might be wrong, but uh, P-R-I-O-N-S. I'm going to say prions because that's just the way my brain works around that thing. But uh, Not to be confused with prawns, which are delightful shrimp-esque uh, crustaceans. Yeah, no, no, bovine no, no. Spongifor, uh, spongiform encephalopathy. Yes. That's, that's it. Wow. Man. That's it, Ben. Yes, that is the thing that we all heard about. It was in popular media all over the place. It was in the news. Thousands and thousands of cows lost their lives because they were potentially exposed to the prions that caused this thing. It was a horrible big deal. Not that long ago, here in the United States, in the United Kingdom, and several other places in the world. And the reason why it was so dangerous is because these weird malformed proteins called prions infect an animal and then slowly change that animal and spread throughout that animal till it gets to their brain. And there is no medicine you can give an animal infected with these things, these prions, no way to cure this thing. And there's also, well, let's just say it's extremely difficult to eradicate these prions once they're out in the environment. And they can exit an infected animal in all kinds of ways, like through their saliva, through their waste, through their dead, decaying body. Uh, it's really, really dangerous stuff. And it can stay in the soil, kind of like the way those potential fungal infections can occur. And they mm -hmm. just hang out in the soil for long periods of time. Mm -hmm. Really scary. Yeah, you can't eat the uh, flesh or you shouldn't eat the flesh as well. You're absolutely right on multiple accounts. Uh, prions. Prions? Prions. Prions. prions is the way I'm prions saying is, it. I, I, you're right. I, I think it's prions. Well, that's a whole thing. Now we're going to introduce to you something that you may not have heard of called chronic wasting disease or CWD. Is that like a Dungeons and Dragons condition? Definitely. Oh, <laughs> definitely. Yes. <laughs> it's a spell that is cast. No, no. This is another disease caused by similar prions, but in a uh, different class of animals, different species. So mad cow, it's cows, right? Bovines. In CWD, it is in animals like deer, elk, moose, caribou, and reindeer. And this thing, it acts very much in the same way. And it's also called the zombie deer disease. Oh, yikes. Now, there's a reason for that. Because when an animal is infected with this stuff, and it can take, by the way, up to a year to potentially two, three years to actually see the effects of an infection in an animal. Uh, the animals become drooling, lethargic, emaciated, like they're not eating enough, stumbling around. And they have this, uh, the Guardian, Todd Wilkinson writing in The Guardian on December 22nd, he uh, describes it as a telltale blank stare, like just <laughs> like, yeah. like a zombie. Yeah, and that, can create, they crave brains, no doubt. That thousand league <laughs> stare, the uh, double zeros uh, Stephen King talks dead about eyes. when looking at a serial killer. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, dead eyes, like Kirsten Dunst in literally <laughs> every film. <laughs> oh, my God. I said it. It's true. Watch I them. like Kirsten Dunst. I Look think at she even, even in Bring It On, dude. Watch the eyes. Uh, uh, actually, though, in Fargo season two, she's a classic. Blank but isn't slate, that dead it's eye, the character, character choice, guys? Come it's on. a character choice. That's, okay, I'm with you, Matt. I'm sure. with you. I'm with you. Come on. <laughs> All right. So, yes, yes. Walk down the street for that one. But uh, this, you know, Matt, this story reminds me a little bit of um, the 
dolphin atavism that we discussed earlier. It reminds me a little bit of the hybrid super pig. Definitely reminds me of our cordyceps episodes. This zombie deer disease, right? Uh, How is it spreading? Is it zoonotic? What what do you mean zoonotic? Can it go to humans? Oh, okay. So before with mad cow disease, Mm -hmm. the big fear was that this disease would somehow jump to humans, right? As we've seen other diseases, um, (laughs) like a COVID, you know, a bird disease jumping to humans. Uh, They were nervous that mad cow disease, if you ate the meat, you might get it as a human. There was a potential danger for that, but there wasn't a lot of danger for that. It was mostly, we don't want to spread any of this around. Right. Things mm-hmm. like mad cow disease mainly come from press coverage or, or was that like some sort of official uh, designation? Well, it was a real disease caused by. I know, I know but, but that's the not the official name for the disease. There's like a scientific name for a mad cow is more of a shorthand sort well, of like serial killer names. Or yeah. Coined, bunja, you know? uh, bovine spongiform. Right. right. I'm just asking, like, does something like calling it mad cow come from scientific community or is that more just like some, you know, reporter uh coins it i'm just interested. i, I don't know i Doesn't assume matter. it's from probably farmers who began seeing the disease Witnessing. and began calling it that, that cow's before gone they mad knew. Yeah. well before they knew what it was because That's, it caused right. some of the same stuff in the cows um but ben right now there's a lot of fear about this chronic wasting disease spreading right because these are deer and there are a lot of hunters out there who kill a lot of deer Mm-hmm. And more and more hunters are seeing animals with this disease and they're trying to harvest the meat. And it's, you know, it's kind of the question, well, can I actually eat this meat? Is it going to affect me the way these animals were affected? Uh, there are a lot of questions about that still. Right now, there are no confirmed cases of chronic wasting disease transferring to humans, either by, you know, the saliva of a deer, the waste of a deer or eating the meat of a killed deer, but it is a potential thing that could occur, right? There could be some kind of mutation in those prions that allows it to jump to humans somehow at some point, and likely it will happen at some point in the future. It hasn't happened yet. It is likely that there's going to be a mutation of some sort that it'll just jump to whatever, right? Just given the given enough time. Yeah. Given enough time, it's probably going to happen, as we've seen in the past. What about other animals that eat deer? Well, yeah, that's a fear, right? Uh, any Anything living out in, let's say, the northwest of the United States, there are creatures that consume deer. There is a worry about that. Cougars, coyotes, uh, wolves, bears, all kinds of stuff are eating deer all the time. There's a potential for that, but again, there's it's not known yet, at least from, from the writing I've seen. Hmm. The reason why we're talking about it today is because this chronic wasting disease has been observed for a long time, since 2005, I think is really the start of major uh, United States-wide monitoring uh, for this disease mm-hmm. in deer populations. But it is, I'm just going to name off some states right now that I saw over the past Basically, two months of news stories, Uh, Kentucky, Idaho, Texas, Mississippi, Alabama, and Wyoming have all reported new cases of chronic wasting disease animals in various parts of those states. Interesting, because they're not contiguous. So we could assume maybe like maybe there are states, uh, you know, adjacent to the reporting states that just haven't found a case. It's very likely because the only way currently 
that the CDC, which is one of the organizations monitoring this stuff, local fish and game, wildlife organization, parks organizations, they're all looking at this stuff and they're all kind of independently reporting when a hunter finds a potentially infected animal and sends in a sample to be tested. That's the only way they know when there are animals with chronic wasting disease, unless an individual hunter who was out there and scoped an animal that was clearly suffering from this thing and then reports it, they don't know. And remember, this disease can take years to manifest so you could actually see it. So you may shoot a buck as a hunter, uh, let's say somewhere in Georgia, and you think that animal's fine. You take it, you take it to a taxidermist or whatever, you, you clean it, you get all the meat, and then you're eating that meat over the course of a year, right? All that venison. It may be infected with these prions. You just don't know it. Unless you send a sample to a participating taxidermist or another, you know, group within your state or county that may send it to the CDC. Are places where maybe hunting is more prevalent and consuming this type of game meat more common? Are they, are they more at risk for this kind of thing? Because uh, I actually was talking with uh, my partner and people over Christmas about eating venison. And it really is. It seems to be something that some people just have never done in their entire lives. Uh, I think it's more discovered in places that have large, like let's say deer or elk populations that are actively hunted. I see. Only because you're, you have more human beings interacting with that large population and seeing the effects, right? There are way more cases being seen uh, actively in hunting season, which gosh, it's been going, I guess for a bit now. And it lasts until usually like January, February, just depending on which state you're in. The reason why we're talking about today, though, is because Yellowstone National Park in the northwest corner of Wyoming had their first ever known case, let's say, of chronic wasting disease in in a deer, which means the CDC and other organizations are calling for every single hunter that's going out there. Every time you bag a deer is the term they use. Mm -hmm. uh, every time you kill a deer, whether it's a doe or a buck. Uh, no matter where it is, take a sample and send it in to check to see if that deer was infected. And that way there can be a large enough sample size that we can really get an understanding of where these, I think they're called chronic wasting zones that are being, uh, they're being called that by the CDC and other organizations to say, hey, chronic wasting disease exists here in this corner of this county or is found here in this specific part of Yellowstone National Park. Because, as I said, those prions can last for up like a year mm -hmm. in the soil on a rock where a deer just got a little bit of spittle as it's walking around emaciated and with its mouth hanging open. Another deer can come by and mess with that, get it on their hoof even. there's all there, It's crazy how infectious this is mm -hmm. and how difficult it is to eradicate it. I want to read this tiny section from that same Guardian article. Uh, Quote, once this environment is infected, any environment where this stuff is, the pathogen is extremely hard to eradicate. It can persist for years in dirt or on surfaces, and scientists report it is resistant to disinfectants, formaldehyde, radiation, and incineration at 600 degrees Celsius or 1,100 degrees Fahrenheit. Holy smokes. So, like, once it's there, it's there. Right. Mm. So they have to designate areas, chronic wasting disease zones, and then monitor all populations of all potentially infected animals that move through that in part of their regular migration. 2024 zombie deer and super pigs. We're doing like a Liga. Marvel Universe thing. Uh, 
Matt, one question I think uh, a lot of people will have in the audience tonight. How would you, uh, the average person, identify a deer that had this infection? Would you, would it be strange behavior? Is it like generally any hunter would probably be able to tell because you get you when you're hunting, you can understand you begin to understand the normal activities of especially let's say a white tailed deer. You understand kind of how they move. Do you understand why they make movements and what they alert to and all those things? A deer that's infected by this that is showing symptoms is going to act very abnormally and different to that kind of going to be again. Imagine a zombie deer. If you see one, a deer that looks like a zombie, kind of, that's probably, that's what's going on. Red flag for sure. But because of that time it takes, you never know if a normal looking deer is actually infected by this. It just hasn't shown any symptoms yet. Matt, I'm sorry if I missed it. And I, I realized earlier I may have asked sort of a silly question about places where hunting and consumption of, of venison is more common. Uh, if those are places more to be concerned about, does this have any effect on humans if they consume the meat? Unknown currently doesn't seem to have any effect on humans because humans have undoubtedly ingested this stuff and we haven't noticed anything with you know a human coming down with chronic human wasting disease or whatever. The worry is that like swine flu or you know mm-hmm. bird flu, it could jump species the way those did, right? Become mm-hmm. zoonotic, yeah. Mm-hmm. So just be aware. That's all. That's really all. And and I I would say if you are actively hunting do send in samples like find out who you can send a sample into and then just do it please please do it i I, you're absolutely right it sounds like maybe it's a it's a pain to deal with bureaucracy which is often slow moving but let's not forget that dr michael osterholm the u.s epidemiologist who first tipped britain to mad cow disease let's not forget that he said this chronic wasting disease in deer could become a, quote, slow-moving disaster. Oh, yeah. And here's a quote from that same Guardian article. This one's from Dr. Corey Anderson. This freaked me out. This is what he says, quote, We're dealing with a disease that is invariably fatal, incurable, and highly contagious, baked into the worries that we don't have an effective way to eradicate it, neither from the animals it infects nor the environments it contaminates. (laughs) Just think about that for a while while you listen to these ads. We'll be right back with more strange news. Eat deer brain, smoke menthol cigarettes. Two crimes. No. Wait, what? I didn't mean it. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. 
When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Join Graham Class as he hosts Season 2 of Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast from Ruby Studio in partnership with Intel. Explore the future of technology that's rapidly evolving our world today with the help of AI. There's still so much work and research needed to fully understand the power and potential of AI. And Intel is at the forefront of implementing AI and revolutionary technology that's changing the world we live in for the better. In each episode, Graham interviews the minds transforming medicine and healthcare, retail, entertainment, personal computing, and more while pioneering new uses for AI in these spaces. So tune in every other Tuesday and explore the latest technology that's changing our world today and creating a more accessible tomorrow. Listen to Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position. Warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snag a Job's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. And we're back with one more piece of strange news for this year, first day of 2024. Uh, this one's a doozy. We talked a bit about this off air, uh, and I think we've mentioned the idea of a ban on menthol cigarettes coming down uh, from the United States federal government that has been postponed um, into 2024, unknown as to exactly when it will happen, but it most likely will, unless some of the measures we're going to talk about in this news bit uh, kind of do what they're setting out to do. Um, during the second Republican presidential debate, there was an advertisement that played on Fox Business um, that uh, talked about how Biden's ban on menthol cigarettes could, this is quoting the ad, uh, fuel an illicit market lining the pockets of the Mexican cartels, um, featuring some very inflammatory imagery of border fences and stacks of $100 bills and uh, men carrying coffins and such. Um, and this ad was paid for uh, by something called the Border Security Alliance. Um, and I read a really great article on Mother Jones um, by Dan Friedman and Isabella Diaz uh, from just about a week ago, um, this past, in 2023, in December uh, 21st of 2023. You can find it yourself. It's a pretty deep dive, much more than we can get to in this segment, but I did want to talk a bit about how the idea of these tobacco companies, you know, R.J. Reynolds, you know, being first and foremost on that list and their parent company, Altria, um, are having to kind of pivot 
with all of the you know science behind uh, cigarettes and and all of the horrible health conditions that they can cause, and also some of the issues surrounding vapes, and also knowing how a lot of these vapes are coming from places like China, uh, places like you know other other countries, uh, and there is a certainly a a black market of of some sort to be talked about to be to be addressed um, with this kind of stuff, and and that of course. Organized crime organizations have often looked to changes in regulations, you know, by the FDA around certain things to pivot their business models into, you know, what they uh, decide they want to, to smuggle into this country. So, again, I, I'm just saying a lot of those things are true. Um, what is very interesting is how the tobacco companies are kind of spinning it here, right? The idea that, and like what, who they're referencing, the kind of fear mongering behind a lot of this stuff. And what is the Border Security Alliance? Uh, a tweet uh, from the BSA uh, underscore US official Twitter uh, X, whatever account, Border Security Alliance says, our border is at a crisis point. We are battling ruthless cartels on a daily basis. And now the Biden administration is considering a ban on menthol cigarettes. That's irresponsible. The president ban will fuel an illicit market lining the pockets of Mexican cartels. And throughout the life of this kind of talking point, uh, which is relatively recent, um, as we've seen, you know, the conflicts uh, between Israel and, and Gaza, uh, now terrorist organizations has kind of they've has joined the chat um, and even referencing, you know, stuff like uh, groups like Hamas and Hezbollah. Um, and of course, in political rhetoric, those are things that get people's dander up nice and good. Um, so I don't know. I just wanted to see what you guys thought about this kind of politicization of something seemingly as innocuous as banning menthol cigarettes, which, as we know, based on some studies, you know, would help uh, prevent a lot of young people from starting to smoke. Menthol cigarettes are kind of considered a gateway cigarette because they taste nice or whatever. They've got a minty flavor. I don't know how much I necessarily believe that. Um, but what, what do you guys think? What, what's at play here? And uh, is this a shadowy lobbying effort? Um, or is this just a company trying to keep other countries from eating their lunch. Well, let me put this out there at risk of being gross to most people listening to this right now. At one point in my life, I smoked mentholated cigarettes. Yes, that's right. Disgusting. And I'm sorry, but I, I did. And A lot of people do, Matt. I mean, it's, they're popular. You know? well, I mean, well, at the time when I did, that was the only type of smoke that I would use, right. That I would purchase. In that state of mind that I was in at the time when I was smoking those, I would I would drive 20 minutes if I knew I could get them somewhere, right? Like, if I couldn't find them at my local gas station, I would drive out of my way to go and get them because I needed them, and I felt like I needed them. And in, in many ways, I felt helplessly addicted to that specific type of cigarette. Dude, now that I think back on it, I started smoking by smoking menthol cigarettes when I was very young. Just putting that out there. Absolutely true. I, I think that it's true potentially that if you ban this specific type of thing, there would be a black market for it that may open up sure. or at least a spin on it that would end up being legal, but it would taste kind of the same. But like, there would be something that would fill in that market space, right? Because there are going to be millions of people that smoke them right now that are going to need them, but they're going to feel like they need them, mm -hmm. right? 
Yeah. But is uh, it coming Newport from the cartels? <laughs> is it coming from Hezbollah? Like, uh, that's my question. Like, ah. It seems like an overcomplication of, you know, yeah, there's a black market for freaking raw milk, you know, if, if, you, if you can't get it legally. Sure. Black markets come up during any kind of prohibition. But is this funding terrorism and, you know, uh, weakening our border security? I'll come in after you, Matt. I think I've, I, I would I think just say, stuff. I got you. I, I think it would fund either market innovation, right? Or organized crime, which doesn't mean terrorism. doesn't mean cartels. It means like prohibition era stuff, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, in my mind, that's what it is. Speakeasies, Make- flappers, funny hats. <laughs> but this selling time they're Lucy's. mentholated cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> selling Lucy, selling, uh, <laughs> selling a square yeah, I guess what I mean is I just don't know. I don't know if that is the same thing. Right. And I don't know how you would prove that that is the same thing as terrorists and cartels. Yeah, it's a it's a bit rich, I think, especially in a land where the or in a ecosystem where tobacco legacy companies immediately pivoted to vapes that are essentially Halloween candy flavored at all times. Like that, that is the still, that is the mentholation, the gateway that you're talking about, Noel. Uh, The idea of equating it to terrorism makes a lot of sense because you can easily get more funding. Uh, I'd like to shout out the allies of the Border Security Alliance, which is not a governmental organization. Right. (laughs) Right. Uh, uh, So shout out to the Arizona Police Association. Combined Law Enforcement Associations of Arizona, uh, Glendale Police Officer Association, Arizona Probation Officer Association, Tucson Police Officer Association, and uh, some friends in Albuquerque. Like the list goes on. What I'm saying is there are people with a horse in the race. It is very good not to uh, n- not to light up a Cadillac Newport if you if you can avoid it. Uh, it'll cost you a lot of money, either uh, either at a gas station or later in a hospital. What is that? Cadillac is a street term for the longer Newports. Oh, okay, like a like a like a one hundred. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just so. Can, can I add to that really quickly, Ben? Just just to, just to get this out there. Another divisive use of of the or divisive piece of rhetoric is the notion that this uh, ban is inherently racist because black people. Right. Uh, disproportionately prefer smoking menthol cigarettes to non-menthol cigarettes. Again, don't know if that's true. Kind of almost feels like a, like an unfair stereotype, but maybe there's data to back that up, but it doesn't stop people from throwing that around, you know, as if uh, to, to demean or to, to malign this, uh, this action. Yeah. It's interesting too, because uh, putting the terrorism idea aside, the like just bracketing that for a second, uh, we know that banning tobacco has worked in various countries, right? There are countries where you can, as a visitor, bring in a set amount of tobacco, whether it's measured by weight or in the case of cigarettes, it's <laughs> I should say in the carton of cigarettes, it's measured by uh, number of uh, coffin nails. But but the thing is here we're looking at something that may may simply fade away indeed the best propaganda for cigarettes for what 
the kids are calling old school cigarettes now instead of vapes. It's going to be Hollywood. It's going to be all those old films, all the uh, old TV series, wherein the coolest or most mysterious or most dangerous person you know all of a sudden has a cigarette, whatever they're doing. So I think that you have to beat that propaganda before you clamp down on this stuff and call it terrorism. Also, how much money, Noel, how much money would terrorist groups make off selling Lucy's? Good question, Ben. Uh, What I do know, though, is that tobacco use is way down in Mm -hmm. the United States, Mm -hmm. like in a pretty significant way. And also among young people, you know, who aren't starting to smoke combustible cigarettes, you know, and that maybe doesn't necessarily always wrap in uh, the vape stuff, which we also know have their own problems. And it's one of those things where long term, uh, the effects of vapes are yet to really, they're kind of TBD, which uh, is is wild to me that any form of, of, of vape is FDA approved or is able to be acquired legally. But now, I mean, anytime you go to a gas station or like a smoke shop, a tobacco you know head shop, whatever you call it, and you see these little disposable guys, like these elf bars or whatever, it's my understanding that those aren't entirely legal. Mm. Because they taste like mango and and, right. and freaking you know papaya and stuff right. and and they're pretty colors and I, I just I don't quite understand how those are able to be sold if that's a black market thing or if it's just a loophole thing because Jewel got pilloried for all of this stuff they kind of became the whipping boy for a lot of this uh, debate and they aren't allowed to sell anything that has a you know f- f- fruity flavor anymore so right i don't quite understand where these elf bars are coming from well uh, i i suspect China, i'm sure i suspect uh the legacy tobacco companies again have their hand in the cookie jar here or ha- have their hand in the tobacco barn because that can replace the market demand right you get a you get a candy flavored nicotine substance that replaces the your earlier experience as a child with mentholated cigarettes, as you call them, Matt. <laughs> the, the idea, though, that I don't know, I sound like I'm cracking on the um, the ulterior motives of the border alliance here. But just to be fair, do I have to point out our earlier conversation in a previous strange news segment when the cartel took over the avocado trade? Just so they could, you know, make some money. So maybe, maybe they are. Yeah. Uh, in in or the we overthrew the government to sell pineapples or whatever, or whatever, like with the Chiquita. Was it Chiquita? Remember, there was the whole coup, like to sell bananas. Oh, in 1954, the, the fruit. overthrow of Guatemala. Correct. Yes, yes, yes. I'm just saying, like, this is. Yeah. Sorry, Ben. You're absolutely right. I'm just thinking of other examples. You're right. Yeah. I, I mean, also. That's the thing. I'm looking at this uh, in, in some of the notes you provided us here, Noel. I'm looking at the management of Border Security Alliance. And if you go to their about section, you see that there's a lot of Arizona, Arizona area LEOs who are on their board or managing the place. And they're primarily concerned with what they call border security. They're primarily concerned with emigration uh, and drug seizures. So is this, is this really one of their core missions or is this something to get into the headlines and then further push the Overton window of what they want the conversation to be? 
to be fair, R.J. Reynolds was uh, reached out to by Mother Jones and asked to, to you know, give a comment. And they said uh, the following, like many other companies, Reynolds supports organizations that contribute to the debate on issues that are important to our consumers. Reynolds has been clear on where it stands on this topic. We strongly believe there are more effective ways to deliver tobacco harm reduction than banning products. Banning products often leads to unintended consequences, such as the increase of illegal, unregulated products flooding the market. Ooh, you got to admire that linguistic parkour, though, huh? A couple of Matrix dodges. They did a backflip. Yeah, uh, it's not bad. And, you know, there are other organizations mentioned in this um, this article. To your point, Ben, uh, some, another one is the National Organization of Black Law Enforcement Executives, uh, which is a group that until very recently listed R.J. Reynolds as being one of their major supporters. And now uh, just decided to pivot to, to mentioning Altria, which is that parent company of Philip Morris. Um, you know, so it's a little better optics, but. Uh, there's skin in the game for this stuff, and uh, the idea of linking it to hot-button issues certainly isn't a new technique, um, but I find it to be disingenuous and a little on the creepy side. Mm. I think it's something to look into further, uh, especially as we see developments in this kind of thing, because prohibition of any kind does always have, I will totally agree, I think we all will, have unintended uh, consequences that can oftentimes be predicted. Um, and I, I, I think maybe banning menthol cigarettes is not even that, is it going to make that big of an impact? But I, I could be wrong, because you're right, Matt. I do remember a lot of young people I knew that started smoking, started smoking by smoking like cools or something that like had that. It was easier. It was a gateway because, you know, Marlboro Reds are gross, <laughs> but freaking, you know, cools or, or Newports or whatever. They've got this. Uh, they are. There's a certain candy quality to them. That's that's you're not wrong. Oh, and prohibition. Um, uh, the another way to phrase prohibition. I agree with your points here. I think that's brilliant and astute. Uh, another way to phrase prohibition is the perverse incentive concept. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the especially here in the States, you tell people they can't have a thing, right? Oh, remember, uh, you, even you don't tell me when I can. Right, have. right, right. And lest we sound too political, let's remember uh, in New York when someone banned large sodas, right, <laughs> at your local bodega. People were up in arms. Even Jon Stewart, who clearly had better things to do. Uh, soda is different because it will, it will have, uh, I guess. Adverse health effects. Less, guess, less immediately damaging adverse health effects. But gosh, Selling cigarettes, selling Lucy's. Uh, the Mother Jones article you mentioned here, Noel, also talks about uh, terrorist groups in the Middle East, not just Mexican cartels. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, and that was sort of added later in terms of the language. And I think a lot of that had to do with uh, some of the, you know, the conflicts going on, um, you know, with Gaza and stuff that are very much in the news right now uh, to, to, as a way of like tying it to something that people understand as or that people divisively uh, understand as a threat. Um, it's, it's just weird. It's all just lobby and and marketing and uh, it's a bunch of bullshit but it's very it might be fascinating a full episode, huh? i think so too yeah and i think we leave it there today um this one has run long but i think man what a great uh way to kick off the new year and hey at least we started off with some positive stuff guys right thank you for that ben, i gotta say
And thank you, everyone, for tuning in. We hope you are off to a rollicking start for 2024. We hope you tune in to our future episodes. Uh, We hope that you show up on air with us. Be a part of the show. We have a listener mail segment that may feature you coming later this week. If you want to be part of the show, please take a page from our weird book of secrets and contact us in any number of ways. You don't have to walk Wittershins at a crossroad at midnight. You can uh, you can just find us on online, right? So. Yeah, still, uh, we're still conspiracy stuff uh, on uh, Twitter, X, whatever you want to call it this year. Uh, we'll see. Interesting things developing with that Elon Musk fellow, too, that we should probably cover at some point. Um, we are also conspiracy stuff on YouTube and Facebook. Lots of fun videos, more to come this year. Excited to make. I think we all enjoy and we appreciate your comments on them. Um, we are conspiracy stuff show, however, on Instagram and TikTok. Uh Ben, what is Wittershins or win- Wintershins? Is Counter- it like cold counterclockwise? Knees? Counterclockwise, okay. yeah. Okay, cool. Uh, or as the Brits say, D-D- anti-clockwise, which I recently learned. W i d d e r shins. Got it. Okay, thanks. Uh, hey, do you want to call us? Uh, tell us cool things that you did in 2023, weird things that happened to you in 2023, or things that you anticipate happening this year. Why don't you call one eight three three stdwytk It's a voicemail system. You've got three minutes when you call in. Please give yourself a cool nickname and let us know if we can use your name and message on the air. If you got more to say than that, you got links, maybe attachments, why not instead shoot us an email? We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip-hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. 
So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play.